Good morning. Open your Bibles up to Psalms 55. And as you do, uh, let's pray right from the beginning. Lord, we thank you for this day, uh, for the gathering of the redeemed. Uh, Lord, we have come here today to hear from your word, uh, to bring whatever is going on in our life. We have brought it in with us, whether we want to admit it or not, it is here. Uh, what I'm going through, what my brothers and sisters are going through, what those are watching online, uh, what you're going through if you watch this a year from now, you bring it with you to God. And so, Lord, we honestly, knowingly, on purpose, bring it here. And we lay it here and say, God, we want to hear from your word today. We want to be helped. And so, Lord, we come with that faith to help us hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So, really, it is, the sermon is, sort of betrayal part two, uh, but let's just deal with the elephant in the room because the elephant is me. Uh, it is true, I received a serious cancer diagnosis this week and the fight will begin in earnest next week um, and will go on for some time to come, but that is not why we're here this morning. It is to some degree... <laughs> It is in your life. But what we have come today is to hear from God's Word. And every week after this, no matter what happens, we gather ourselves to hear from the book. So, brothers and sisters, no matter what's going on in your mind today, I would challenge you, encourage you, admonish you. Let us look at the text. Let us deal with the text. And let us apply the text. Stand with me. No, this is a little bit of a longer psalm, but it is a good one, and we dare not miss what it says. Psalms 55 and verse 1, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble Upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horrors overwhelm me. And I say, Oh, that I had wings like a dove! I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in the midst, oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from it. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. 
We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in a throng. Let death still over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon, I utter my complaint and I moan, and He hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his oath. His speech was as smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into a pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So last week we we asked the question, What do we do when we're betrayed? Uh, We could really take the word betray. This is simply the context for both last week and this week. Many things betray us. <laughs> Sometimes it's people, that's the context today. But many of you, if you can bear witness to sometimes your health feels like it's betrayed you. Like what in the world? That life can feel like it's betrayed you. Someone's here and then someone's gone. Situations can seem like they can betray you. And Pastor Micah helped us understand what do we do. This passage will as well. But listen, here's what it wants you to get this morning. How does it feel? Have you let yourself feel what it feels like to be betrayed by whatever you feel like has betrayed you? And you might say, no, I've just sort of blocked that out. I, I can't go there. Listen to me this morning. From a person who I am in intense suffering, and God has given me intense clarity at that, at that point. Listen to me this morning. If we do not feel, we cannot deal. And if we do not deal, we will never heal. You've got to let yourself feel it. You've got to quit buying into the secular world that keeps giving you pills and coping mechanisms that dulls the pain. The pain is here so that we can deal with it so God can heal it. This is important. We can dull it with medicine or food or listen. It's what a lot of us are doing. We're dulling it with busyness. Just stay busy so we don't have to think about it. We must learn how in this broken, fallen world to deal with this mess that we have to deal with. That's what David's laying it out for us today. We must resolve that God's purpose is for us to heal from the pain. Lament, listen, lament is God's gift in the midst of a cruel and broken world. It's God's gift to you. And if you do not use it, you are refusing a precious gift. One that he's given us to use and to use regularly. Blessings is not stuff. Blessing is when God gives you a hope-filled confidence in the midst of the mess of life. That's the blessed life. 
It's not a life of ease. So think about it for a minute. Allow yourself, if you will, to, to think about the worst pain you've ever experienced. And I know sometimes we go right to the physical. But if I asked you a couple of probing questions, it's going to usually come down to someone who broke your trust. That's where David's at. When you discover your friend is really your enemy, everything in life, including our world and our society, that is coming unglued at the seams has broken because trust has been broken. Communities cannot stay together. Marriages cannot stay together. Churches do not stay together because of this point. It's shocking, but it's true. According to a U.S. news survey, one in five women that they interviewed have been raped in their lifetime. And according to the National Institute for Justice, six out of ten of those knew their perpetrators. They were family. They were friends. They were spouses. They were boyfriends. They knew them. Betrayal. This is what David is feeling. This is the context of Psalms 55. This is not when he was in the wilderness. Psalms 52 and Psalms 54 was when David was in the wilderness. He's at the top right now. You get me? He's a king. Jerusalem's his. All his enemies have been pushed out. Remember, this dude knew how to fight, and God had blessed him. He was at the top. He was not immune. He's not, you ain't protected from this. Matter of fact, the closer you get in your service to the Lord, the more you will be attacked. Yes, I got the scars to prove it. And so did David. <laughs> Absalom, you remember? This is most likely, it's our best guess for the situation. Remember, David's at the top, and his own son begins to conspire against him. Begins to talk about his, about his father, the king, and begins to get a following. The next thing you know, he tries to murder his dad and then steals the kingdom. And at that moment, listen, at that moment of the worst time in his life, of a betrayal of his own son, he turns to his best confidant, his trusted advisor, Ahithophel, and Ahithophel bails on him and goes with Absalom. He doesn't have anybody. The man that he trusted with his life, the man he always turned to and says, what do I do now? It's gone. This is most likely. So what does David do? And how does he feel? You got your notes, you see your main idea. David comes with his honest feelings to God, pleading for salvation and entrusting himself and his enemies to the Lord. Three words today that I want you to try to understand out of this text honesty, entrusting, and resolve. Honesty, entrusting, and resolve. The honest feeling of the betrayed. We can even substitute that. The honest feeling of the one who laments, of the sufferer. <laughs> this is good, isn't it? That's, David's honest while we love him. I feel like complaining today. Right? Amen? I feel like complaining. Things ain't okay. How you doing today, Stephen? I'm not doing okay today. Right? Y'all feel comfortable saying that with people? No, we don't. But David's saying we need to, especially when it comes to our God, just see, seem like it's okay to complain. That's what lament is. Lament is complaining. And listen, it's complaining to someone who has the authority and who's someone who is responsible. The Bible does not advocate God's responsibility in our life. 
Quit saying it's just because we live in a fallen, broken world. It's, it doesn't help anything, and God's at the top. It's, here's what it's like. Imagine you're working at an office beside somebody else, and you got about an 18-inch stack of work to get done and a new software program that the boss just gave to you. And you're typing as hard as you can trying to input all these things in. Maybe they're invoices or something. And about the time you get an inch down, he put the, somebody sticks three inches back on top of it. And day after day, you and the coworker beside of you, y'all are just sitting here trying, and you can't get anywhere. You know, it's just stacking up higher and higher. And then all of a sudden, you turn to your coworker and you just let them have it. You just, you know, just upchuck all over them. Just this, that, and the other. What's she doing? What's Sally over there doing? What are you doing to me that to me for? You know, I feel just like you. You know what she's going to say to you? Why don't you take that and go up there to that guy in the office? Because he put the software program in, and he's the only one that can do anything about it. That's what lament is. Lament is is for us to take how we feel, our grievance, our pain, our anguish, and take it to the one who can do something about it. And we go to him first. Uh, David's actually issuing imperatives here in verse 2. He's saying, pay attention, God. Respond to me, God. I'm at the end here. David has said in verse 3 that his friends have turned his world upside down. And he is unstable emotionally. David's not okay. Verse 4. My heart is in anguish. Death is a possibility. His heart, that's his inner man. His mind, his will, and his emotion is in pieces. Experience that this week. You, you begin when this happens to tremble. He is at the verge of an anxiety attack. That's, what he, that's where he's at. My world is just falling apart around me. I'm at the brink of hopelessness, God. Do you remember Jesus when he's in the garden about to bear the wrath of God for our sin? is at the point of death and anguish, just like David was. I feel unstable, verse 5. I feel overwhelmed. Fear and trembling are upon me, and horrors overwhelm me. Nothing knocks you down like, some, like a close person in your life. If you've never been through that, you just need to hold on, because sooner or later, the person that you love the most, the person that was closest to you, will betray you. There's only one friend that won't. His name is Jesus. There's nothing that knocks you over like this. If you've ever been through divorce, you know this. If you've ever lost a friend, you know this. This is where he's at. It can derail the mightiest, and it did, because David was the king, but he was not immune. And here's what he said. And man, how, we've, how we can all relate to this. And by the way, this verses 6 to 8, I feel like running away. The psalmist has never said this before. This is... This is, this is a new thing, <laughs> a, new, a new level of desperation. He says, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. You ever notice that doves don't have teeth? They don't have teeth. Why do they not have teeth? If you mess with a dove, what's he going to do? He's going to say, see you later. He's, that's what David's saying is that birds got it made. Listen, I really relate to verse 7. If I had a cabin in the woods right now, that's where I'd be. Right? <laughs> but here's the truth. Listen to me. 
You can't run away from these things. The pain that David was going through, yes, he wanted to escape. and Yes, he wanted to run. But here's the truth of the situation. It didn't stop. Absalom did take the kingdom. David had to leave Jerusalem. And on the way, with David with his tail between his legs, leaving his own kingdom, one of Saul's family members cuss him out on the way out. Didn't stop. It wouldn't stop. Here's the question. What do we do when it won't stop? What does it do when we can't just go to the beach and it goes away or or go up and live in a tree like a bird? David says, I wish I could. (laughs) If I could, I would. Here it is. Here's the first point. We come to God with our honesty, our unfiltered fear, pain, rage, questions, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. God, we must unload it on someone who has the infinite shoulders to bear it. Because all of you can't bear what I feel right now, but God can. He's the one who has the infinite shoulders and He is the only one that has the sovereign ability to do anything about it in our lives, the things that we cannot control. God does. Take it to Him. The prayer of lament involves honesty and it also involves entrusting. This is an act of entrusting and this was my prayer to God today. I didn't know how I was going to feel today or how far I would get. I was like, God, just let me get to the second point because I want you to go down... If you look at your outlines, it's sort of helpful. Just look at your outline. Notice that it's not in order. It doesn't go from 1 to 3 to 4 to 6 to 6 to 8 to 8 to 10. You know why? Because that's not the way your grief goes in your life either. All right? Your prayers don't work out linearly. All right, God, now I've got to the supplication. Now I need to go to the... No, that's not the way it works. And it's not the way it works when your life has just fallen apart. And so this is bouncing around, and it's bouncing around for a reason, because it's real. It's honest. It's where David is. And it's where we are. You've got to acknowledge something. Look down at verse 22. This is the center of the wheel of this passage. Just the first line. We're going to come back to it. Just look at the first line. The first line is the secret. Cast your burden on the Lord. Cast it. Cast it. You know what that word means? I started to bring a stack of magazines up here so I could just start throwing them at you. That, that's, that's the picture. It is aggressive. It means to throw. It means to fling. I, I think about Jacob when he was a little kid. Every time I think about this word, because it means to eject. He, didn't, he, he ejected. He projected when he threw up. He did it with all the passion he had in his soul. You know, you know he didn't just, you know, those little... Uh, science projects, you know, his lava, he come out of his science experience, he just didn't come down and go up. I mean, he went out. I mean, he'd hit the next table over if he could. You know, if you, we learned if we couldn't eat in 10 minutes, we weren't going to make it. Because if he threw up, everybody around him was going to know it. That's what that means. It means you've you got you to gotta actively do something. I wish I had something to throw. I'm a teacher. I've got to have an illustration. I'm about to throw my phone at you. You know, you got to throw it. You know, here's what I found is every time I throw it, when I get up the next morning, there it is again. So they go on. I thought I threw that off yesterday, and here it sits again. It's true. It's life. Listen to me today. 
I see a lot, a lot of white-haired people and not white-haired people in here. Amen. If you have been married long enough, or if you have older parents, you know this is true. This will make absolute sense. And if not, you just give yourself a few more years and it will. Because sooner or later, in that relationship, that person you love will have a problem. A bandage that needs to be changed. An infection that must be cleaned. A digestive system that won't start or won't stop. A bladder that won't start or won't stop. That's going to happen. And whatever the case, you will joyfully and willingly engage the privilege of helping your spouse or your parent, even if it involves cleaning up the mess. And if you're not willing, you got a problem. Why not? Why is that absolutely not a problem? It is because of the great love you have for the person that you will embrace the mess and seek to clean up and bring healing and wholeness and dignity back to that person. If that's true of you, brothers and sisters, how much more true is it is God our Father who says, bring your mess to me. I am the only one that can clean it up. Why are you trying to clean it up yourself? You're not in control of this anymore. That's true. That's why God gives us a father, and that's why he gives us those that we love the most. We must be honest in our lament, and we must describe our pain. This is David's pain. Somebody has broken covenant with him. That's what, that's what happens in betrayal. You may not know this. Look at verse 20. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. Friendship involves a covenant. Did you know that? It involves this distrust, this loyalty, a devotion, an, an allegiance. Friendship is a choice. It's a choice to love somebody unconditionally when they're not going to always deserve it. And when you're not always going to feel it, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. He, this guy wasn't who he appeared to be. He was closest to David. David told him things he told nobody else. He came to him when he came to nobody else. And here's what he found. This guy, that's what verse 21 is about. He was just playing a part. He always intended to better himself on my account. David takes this. He describes this in detail. And then he flings it. He casts it on the Lord. This is my pain. This is what he did to me. This is what it feels like. You see? If you dull that down with a pill, you tell me how you're going to cast it away. You won't cast it away. You'll be 50 years from now still having that pain right where it was. Describe it and throw it. He had his heart broken, verse 12 and 13. For it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear it. David was a warrior. He knew how to deal with enemies. He didn't know how to deal with someone hurting him who was the closest to him. He says, it's you. It's, it's a man. It's my equal, my companion, my friend. I'm used to being hurt by my enemies. But Lord, I don't know what to do with this. Guys, broke my heart. Takes that and he throws it. This is, this is grief, brothers and sisters. Of whatever it looks like in your life, past, present, future, verse 14. Look at what he says. We used to take sweet counsel together. We used to. <laughs> That's grief. Grief is about loss. 
It's about losing something that was precious to you. In this case, it was David's advisor, Ahithophel, who he's a friend. He wasn't just, he wasn't just a job. It's about realizing the past. It's not the same now. We used to be grateful for past memories. But never let it diminish the good of what's happened in the past. He could, he could let this turn to bitterness. But the truth is, him and Ahithophel had a lot of good times together. Don't let it diminish the good. He said, we used to worship the Lord together. The throng simply means a large gathering. We used, to go to, we used to go to church together. We used to go on mission trips together, right? We used to do stuff together. I shared stuff with you, shared with nobody else. He, he describes that in detail, and then he throws it on the Lord because that's gone now. Because Ahithophel is with his enemy. David also relies on God's, God's justice in detail. And, and this is, we're going to see this over and over again. We already have. He, he prays for, the, for the, his, the wicked, Ahithophel and that whole crew, to be confused. He's, he's pointing to the Tower of Babel here. He's using that language. Confuse them like you did in the Tower of Babel. Frustrate their plans in verse 15. Give them what's due. So David comes to God in prayer. He throws his honest feelings on God. He throws how he feels. He describes it. It's his way of lamenting, of grieving, and he entrusts these things to God. And then what we see happening all through it is his fighting for this resolve. What am, what am, here's what you got to know, isn't it? I need to know it. What am I supposed to do now? And God, what are you going to do now? And what are you going to do next month and four years from now and five years from now? What are you going to do? We've got to have some resolve. That's what we're fighting for. And as long as you treasure your pain, you will never come to resolve. Notice this is all throughout here. You've got to resolve. I will call out to my God. Verse 16. I will call out to him and he will save me. He cannot save you if he does not hear you. Verse 17, evening, morning, and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan and he hears me. You see, I'm doing something. He's counting on God to do something. I'm doing something. I'm counting on God to do something. Grief doesn't come on my timetable. I just wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to preach today. Why? Because grief doesn't come on my timetable. And Micah had two extra songs in his pocket just in case. Because my grief and your grief doesn't happen between six and nine. It's life. And because it can come on us anytime, we can come to God anytime. Evening, morning, at noon. Remember, the key to moving forward in the midst of our grief is gratefulness. Listen to Psalms 92.2. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. God can handle how we feel, but don't forget to remember the goodness of God. 
Brothers and sisters, he has been good to us. He has been good to you. And you know it. So express it. He will hear me. He will redeem me. Verse 18. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, from the many arrayed against me. Here's the truth. This is, what he's, this is where he's at. This is where I'm at. This is where you're at. There's a battle going on, and you can't just opt out of it. It's spiritually, it's physically, it's emotionally. But listen, Christians, quit turning everything David says into some kind of spiritual point of salvation. He was at the point of a nervous breakdown, and he needed some physical help. We ask God for the physical and the spiritual. I need help for today. This hurts. That hurts. I'm about to come unglued in here. I need, I need you to hold my mind together. That, that's where David was at. Help me. <laughs> There's a battle, an actual battle going on. I have to make decisions, and I am at no point to make decisions. Help me, God, to make the next best decision. You see what he's doing? You'll come back to verse 22 as he's entrusting himself to God. And our past, present, and future is attached to us. That's why it's so hard to entrust these things to God. But listen, too long we have talked about trusting and we have neglected entrusting. Trusting and entrusting are inseparable aspects of faith. And if we miss the entrusting, you will find yourself talking about something that means nothing to you. Something that's not working in your life. And so we keep saying it like it's some kind of lucky rabbit's foot to keep quoting scriptures about faith. Trust involves entrusting. It involves us being able to sit back in that beanbag chair that we talked about the other week and leaning back because our God is good and He's sovereign. We must trust Him with our past pain. We must also trust Him with our present pain. I, I don't know how much you know about David's life. There's a book called A Tale of Three Kings. I, I would, if you're struggling with being betrayed or the pain, I would read it. Because here's the truth about David. If you study his life, you'll see this is true. David says, whether I'm a king or not, my God is for me. I can be just as happy sitting on a hill taking care of sheep is I can be in the king because I have my God and I can enjoy and bring glory to him whether I'm tending the sheep or whether I'm sitting on the top of the hill as the king and God gets to pick which one it is. That's what he's saying. That's why we love David. That's why this means something. David didn't live an easy life. You ever read what his children did? He trusted him with his present. He also trusted in him future. Do you know what David did who had the whole army that he defeated, all these enemies. What David did when Absalom, his own son, led a revolt against him? Nothing. Nothing. He gets his family and he leaves. He doesn't raise it, the enemies. Why not? Because David said this. I didn't ask to be king. I was just sitting up on a hill minding some sheep, minding my own business. And God sovereign called me to be the king. And God defeated my enemies. I never raised my hand against Saul. Not one time did I raise my hand. Not one time did I say, God, I'm going to force my kingship into happening. No, I just, I just sat back and trusted the Lord. And you put me on here. And if you take it away from me, blessed be the name of God. He entrusted himself, you see. 
to a sovereign king. It was the key to his success. It's what made him a man after God's own heart. But you see, what's God going to do? We trust him. We're honest with him. We trust him with our past, our present, our future. Here's what he says. Verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord. Look, he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them into the pit. I want you to see this morning, do you know what it means to be sustained by God? Have you ever seen someone move a quadriplegic? You can't just go to them and, you know, I mean, they're paralyzed. I see this on, sometimes online where a spouse is taking care of their quadriplegic maiden, and they, they bear hug them. You hug them. You pick them up. You move them over. You set them down. That's the picture here. He's going to take a hold of you when you cannot hold yourself up. He holds me. This is why we can be honest with him. Because sometimes honesty seems like you're being irreverent or, or rude to God. No, you're not. You're just being honest with him. He says, I'm going I'm to hold on to you during those times. It is when we need support. He will give it to us. This is what God has said he will do. He's going to keep me on my feet. And he's going to keep you on yours. Listen to what he says, 1 Samuel 2, 9. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. Listen. For not by might shall a man prevail. We do not stay on our feet. We do not go through the valley of the shadow of death in our own strength. We do so because God does not always remove the storm. He will sustain us in the midst of the storm. And He sustains us with Himself. And He sustains us, listen, with His church. We have been sustained by you. And we don't know what we'd have done without you. He will bring justice. I've, I've prayed this. David says to Saul in 1 Samuel 24, 12, when David could have killed him, May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. Brothers and sisters, that's faith. That God can not only listen, tenderly sustain me and violently deal with my enemies. And he knows how to do it both. So what? This is not really my so what today. I had a different one. This is true. You minister to me as much as I minister to you. Brother Mike was in our office, I think it was Thursday, and I had my sermon pulled up and I had my points already done. And he just encouraged me. He said, don't give up. And I deleted my whole so what and put, don't give up. That's, that's the point, isn't it? If lament doesn't bring us to this, that we must not give up, then what good is it? And so there's only one verse I can think of to read with this, and I'd like you to see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16. 
Paul says, don't give up this way so we don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. There's an aspect of verse 16 that, that's obvious. <laughs> Sometimes we have to just sort of take it on faith, but notice what's obvious. Though our outer self is wasting away, <laughs> right? That's stating the obvious, isn't it? If you don't feel like you're wasting away, give yourself five more years, and all of a sudden, you look up one day, and you're sitting there going, is my hairline going backwards? That's wasting away. <laughs> We're wasting away. But our inner self, the inner self, is being renewed day by day. Look at verse 17. What in the world are we going to do with this? For this light, momentary affliction. (laughs) Does your affliction feel light today? Uh, No. Don't feel momentary either. Mine don't. Now, affliction, that, yeah, that's that's a good word. I like that. Light, momentary affliction. How in the world do we take what we're feeling right now and say, this is light, this is momentary? Can I just say this because it's true? There's things in your life, there's things in my life that we don't understand. Amen? Amen. I don't have to understand someone completely to fully trust them. You and I are never going to completely understand God. You're not. You're never going to completely understand why He does what He does when He does it. But we can fully trust Him. And so, God gives us, in the midst of our exercise of considering things that seem heavy light and things that see lifelong as temporal, gives us lament. It is His gift to us so that we can understand, so that we can move to a point of trusting and entrusting, so that we can keep the fight. The only way... And what we're going through today can seem light and momentary is if we have something to judge it by, to compare it to, that is eternal, that is infinite. And here's what he's promising us today. That what we're going through right now is producing something. That's what he says. And it's called the weight of glory. Do I completely understand that? No. That's what it makes it glorious has to do with reward. It has something to do with proximity to the one that we're going to want to be around, the one that we're going to worship and serve forever. What we're going through right now is doing something in your life and it's mine. And that's why we're saying don't give up because it's doing something in your life and it's doing something in my life. But what I need to do is for God to give me the eyes to see what I cannot see physically. And only God can do that. And so, brothers and sisters, lament honestly and trust daily. And don't, no matter what the enemy says, give up. Let's pray.
And so, God, I thank you. that you allowed me to preach. And uh, you were good. And so now, Lord, we've had this wonderful privilege of being able to see first the ordinance of baptism and now to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. This is precious for us to be able to remember the anguish you went through so that we could be yours. We thank you for Jesus now and we give him thanks by the way we come to the tables. Even now, Lord, as before we come to the tables, we come to you through Christ, through his blood and his body broken for us and ask you to forgive us. We dare not come to the table in an unworthy way. but We come first to the cross. And ask you to forgive us and to restore us so that we may come to the table and rejoice that we are saved. That we are safe. That we are secure. And everybody who has put their faith in you from the foundation of the world till the present day is safe too. And we look forward to that day the dawn will break on eternity and that we will see you face to face and so Lord can we just enjoy you now whatever that looks like can we let our worship be an honest worship have your way with us God we love you and we entrust this service and the rest of his time to you in Jesus' name.